the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You just go ahead and continue on with your personal revival. It's okay. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. God is so good. There's none like him. Aren't you glad you ran into him? Aren't you glad that, you, that he came across your path? That his eye was always on you and never lost sight of you. That even when you were far off, he saw you. And he got ready for your coming. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is wonderful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be alive in these days? See, because it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It only matters what's going on in the kingdom. And what's going on in the world is just the devil trying to stop the kingdom. But that's not going to happen. We know that. That loser has been around for so long, he still hasn't gotten it. He still thinks he's going to win. That's the ultimate definition of loser. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we're on the winning side. Like Pastor Morgan talked about, you know, the firstborn. We are in the firstborn. You know, and because we're in the firstborn, we get to share in his inheritance. His inheritance is our inheritance. We're blessed with it because of what he's done. Amen? Amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you were here New Year's Eve service? How many of you were here Wednesday night service? I tell you, it's line upon line what God is doing. And it's really, really important to get these things not in our head, although it's got to start in the head. You got to get it in your heart. You got to get it into your spirit. So these things function out from your spirit. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First of all, I want to thank everybody for sharing with Pastor Nid and I during our birthdays and Christmas season and all. Thank you for your cards, your kind words, your gifts. Uh, we certainly do appreciate that. And uh, you've blessed us. I love to read your cards because that, yeah. that is just a representation of your heart, you know, and, and that, that is precious to me. So, uh, except for some of you that are saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. <laughs> but I know that the joking is all, um, I, I don't mean that it's anything rude or crude, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> but I know that uh, that's part of your heart, so, so we do thank you for, for it all. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, New Year's Eve service, the Lord told us that it's time for edge of your seat living, to start living on the edge of our seat. Isn't that right? And he made a distinction that does, that does not mean you fly by the seat of your pants. There's a lot of people that just want to fly by the seat of their pants, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about living on the edge of your seat, having a total expectation of whatever, however, wherever, whomever, expectation of the anointings, expectation of the gifts, expectations of the manifestations of God, but the expectation is all within the plan of God, that you have to be connected to the plan of God. And when you get connected to the plan of God, then you can have 
expectations for whatever. Isn't that right? So it's the plan of God in our life is what counts. And walking in that plan is where we can have those expectations. So it's not expectations just for my life. Your life will benefit by walking in the plan. You know, just like salvation, getting saved is the plan of God. And when you stepped into that, it benefited your personal life, right? But you stepped into the plan. When you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you stepped into a plan. And it benefited your life, but you stepped into the plan. And that's what it's all about, is stepping into the plan of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some people want to think, you know, visions of grandeur. You know, I've known people like, oh, God wants me to go to the nations and God wants me to go do, you know, you can't even get across town to go to church. But those are what I call visions of grandeur. You know, you got all these big ideas, but, you know, it's the little baby steps you just can't seem to take. And if you don't take the baby step today, you know, I need to step to get to that door. And that's what life is about. And you have to know to believe God and trust God and follow God in those steps to get to where it is that you need to be. Amen. You know, God gave a plan to his disciples as he was getting ready to ascend into heaven. Two words, go ye. That was the plan, go ye. Isn't that right? And in that plan, what happened? When they went, there was manifestations. Amen. So... It's about being prepared to move at the drop of a hat. And God wants to drop the hat. Amen. Amen. So it's times, we also talked about it's times of suddenly. But not just suddenly for God to move on us suddenly, but our obedience needs to be suddenly. We need to be obedient to move. Suddenly obedient to go. Obedient to act. Obedient to obey God. Obedient to trust God. you got to do those things suddenly. The more suddenly that you act, the more suddenly God can move. Amen. And during the New Year's Eve service, we covered the fact that that 42 times the word suddenly was used in the Bible. And we didn't cover all of them, but we covered a number of them. So run over with me to Mark chapter 5. We just kind of touched on this a little bit, and I want to go into a little more depth here. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. You all know the account about the woman with the issue of blood. Okay? So, he says, A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians. You know she endured much because they didn't have the bedside manner back then that they have today. (laughs) If you know what I mean. And she had spent all that she had. So she suffered at the hands of the doctors. She spent everything that she had, and she was not helped at all, but a condition continued to get worse and worse. So this woman's in bad condition. She's in bad shape in her whole life, not just a physical condition, but she's in bad shape financially. She's in bad shape socially. She's in bad shape in, in, in all things, and nothing is getting better. Verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. After hearing, she came up in the crowd. How long after hearing? Well, when Jesus came out from the River Jordan 
and was baptized, he went into the wilderness for victory over the devil. Remember? And he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And it says a fame went, about, went out about him throughout the whole district. Between that time when that fame started going out till this point was about a year and a half. So when did she first hear? So it could have been a year and a half ago that she started hearing. But what we do know was that after it was some time that she heard, she came and touched his garments. Why? Why did she touch his garments? Verse 28. For she thought if I just touch his garments, I would get well. But the Greek says she said it. She said, if I touch his garments, I will get well. And not only did she say it, but it's written in the imperfect tense, which means she continued to say it. She continued to say it and 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 say it. She kept on saying it. Her faith that was in her heart was in her mouth. The faith in her heart was in her mouth. The faith in her heart was in her mouth. Why does your faith in your heart need to be in your mouth? Because it needs to strengthen you to be able to make your choice. See, how long did she say, if I just touch his garment, I get well? How long did she say that? From the time she heard about Jesus, it came alive on the inside of her, and she started saying it and saying it and saying it until the opportunity came to move on it. You don't stop saying it until the opportunity comes to move on it. Why? Because the opportunity may not be here yet, but you need to be strengthened for when it does get here. Because if, it's in your, if it doesn't get in your heart and in your mouth, you will not be strengthened for making the decision when the opportunity comes. Are you with me? Well, she's facing a multitude. That's pressing in on Jesus. This is bigger than a rock concert. You know, pressing in on him. There's so much pressing in on him. He's having trouble walking. They're trying to get to Jairus' house. Remember, Jairus came. He's a synagogue official. And he said, my daughter. And he said, I'll go to the house with you. And they're trying to walk, but the crowd's pressing in on them, and they're trying to walk. You know, they're not like, make a path, make a path. No, they're pressing in on them. So this is a great multitude pressing in on him, right? J. Iris is right there, not part of the multitude, but right there next to Jesus. Jesus is the synagogue official that could say, woman, you have an issue of blood, and you need to be stoned. Because she would be considered unclean. She should not be out in public. She shouldn't be out in public as a woman by herself. And she shouldn't be out in public in her con unclean condition. So those are all reasons that Jairus could have had her stoned. Amen. And then she's in this weakened condition. Physically in a weakened condition. 12 years getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So she's facing a multitude, she's facing Jairus, which is a threat of death, and she's in a weakened physical condition. She's in a bad social condition. People don't want her around. She's unclean, right? So you got all of those things going on. You've heard about Jesus. You said, if I could just touch his garment, I get well. And Jesus comes into town now, and there's a multitude thronging him 
from the seashore all the way as they walk into Jairus' house and this woman sees. And she could stand in her house and go, well, if he's really spiritual, he'll know I need his help. And there's a lot of people like that. You know what that's called, right? What? Pride. That's pride. You won't ask for help if it was the last dying breath you have. I ain't asking for help. If they know I need help, they'll, 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 they'll just show up. Well, she could have said that. And what would have happened? She'd have died. But she had something in her heart. And she had something in her mouth. And she kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And when Jesus came into town, she looked out the door at him and saw the multitude and saw Jairus and saw the impossibilities of her condition getting through there to get to Jesus because of faith said, I must get to him and touch his garment. Therefore, in the face of all of that, she needed strength. Isn't that right? Well, that's where faith came from. How did faith come to her? She heard after hearing, after hearing. Now, now we know that Jesus said to her later on, your faith has made you well. Did her faith alone save her? No. No, because faith is now incomplete, just like when we studied the church of Sardis. Church, uh, faith is incomplete now. You have faith. But you know what James said, faith without corresponding actions is a deadhead. Because if there's no corresponding actions to what you say you believe, it's probably just in your head and not in your heart. Amen. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead because each of them will be by themselves you need faith and works corresponding actions is what perfects faith so the actions we have should be actions from the source of faith now listen if you have to decide and make a decision i'm going to make a decision i'm going to do that well let me see what do i believe well you probably don't yet because you still have to analyze, study, and look at it. And that's fine. That's fine to do that, but you need to know where you're at. When faith is alive, it's an automatic response. Automatic response. You respond to everything you believe, whether what you believe is right or wrong. But you respond to it automatically. Because that's what you believe. Because that is the bent of your soul and your material of thought. Right or wrong. And it causes us then to have actions based on what we believe. You don't need a concordance in 15 scriptures to find out what you believe. You need that to study and to meditate. But what you believe is how you act. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So when Jesus came into town... The multitude was there. Jairus was there. And there's her physical condition that she's dealing with. She immediately gave herself to what she believed. No hesitation. Immediately. 
Verse 29 and 30. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? So what part did Jesus have in this healing? No part, really. His only part was to carry the anointing. He didn't even know that somebody touched him. He turned around. Who touched me? And his disciples said, uh, excuse me, look at the multitude pressing in on you. Everybody's touching you. You know, not everybody that wants to kiss somebody's ring is going to get something. <laughs> it's the touch of faith that separates a touch from everybody else. That touch of who touched my garments, who has by faith touched me that, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, power just went out of me. Something's happened. Somebody had a touch. Isn't that right? Her immediate obedience brought about her immediate suddenly. She moved from a previous condition to a subsequent condition in a moment of time. Now, we said this New Year's Eve, I believe. It doesn't matter how long you've had that condition. Suddenly, it can change. Suddenly, you can move out from that condition by changing what's in your heart and getting faith and move out of that condition. Are you with me? Amen. She was in that condition 12 years. Didn't matter. The man at the gate, beautiful. How long was he in his condition? He was born like that. The man at Solomon's portico, he had been there a long time. But it don't matter how long your condition has been. Faith will bring you into suddenly. Immediate obedience will bring immediate results. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mark chapter 10, verse 47 through 49. Hallelujah. Now, he's talking here about Bartimaeus. You remember Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus had such a bad image. His, word, his name, Bartimaeus, meant son of Timaeus. He didn't even have his own name. His name was the son of Timaeus. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me of, of, of my son and um, Pastor Ewellen's aunt used to call my son Little Nid. Yeah, I don't know if she couldn't never remember his name, but she'd always call him Little Nid. Well, imagine if that was really his name. He had no name. His, his identity is with his mother and he has none for himself. Well, that's the way it was with Bartimaeus. He had no identity of his own. But it says, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. Shh, shh, don't talk in church. Shh, shh, the master is here. Shh. Hallelujah. 
But he kept crying out all the more. <laughs> Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So those that told him to be quiet, sit in the back, don't bother nobody. Now they're going, oh, take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. See, because now they know the spotlight's on them. Jesus is looking over there and going, have him come over here. And all them religious people are like, oh, we got to, oh, oh, come, come. The master's calling you. And what a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> uh, so, Bartimaeus cried out, and Jesus noticed Bartimaeus. So Jesus called him. Does God's calling heal you? No. Verse 50. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. What cloak was that? It was the beggar's cloak. That was his identity. He had the beggar's cloak on. He was always identified as a beggar. But the first thing he did when Jesus called him was threw off his identity. He threw off who he was what he was identified with as being a beggar. He threw it aside. He cast it off of himself. Did that heal, did that heal him? No. So first Jesus called him, and immediately Bartimaeus makes inside changes. I'm no longer identified with who I was. Now the master has called me. And I have an earnest expectation. So there's an inward change that happens, number one, when, when there's a calling of the Lord. Now, you know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that the eyes of your understanding being opened, that you would know the hope of his calling. What is his calling? Every scripture is calling you to something. It's calling you to health. It's calling you to wholeness. It's calling you to ministry. It's calling you to peace. It's calling you to righteousness. It's calling you to all kinds of things. Everything in there is calling you. And when you get a hold of something in the Word of God, number one that happens is the Word is calling you. So the first thing that should happen is you get an inward change, identity change on the inside. I'm no longer identified with who I am on the outside. I'm now identified with the one that's called me. I'm identified with that. Now, I may have been sick and I might be down, but the word of God said, by his stripes, I am healed. I now identify with that. That's what I call myself. I am the healed. You learn that from Abraham. He changed his name to Abraham so that he would be the father of many nations. He had no offspring. He had no seed. But now he started calling himself the father of many nations. Why? So he could see himself on the inside the way God's calling him. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I see myself as the way God's calling me. He sent his word and healed me. I see myself as a heal. He sent his word. He sent, past tense, sent his word to me so I could be healed. When did the healing come? When the word came. Amen. Glory to God. Are you with me? So Jesus called, but the number one thing was there was an inside identification change. Verse 51, and answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, Jesus, I've been out on the street for a long time, and you know, a year's worth of alms would be really good, and I can take a, a year off. 
And Jesus would have turned to his disciples and said, give him a year's worth of alms. But that's not what he asked for. He said, the blind man said, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. See, he had a belief. He had a belief in his mouth. He's made choices based on faith. So if a fame went out about him when he came out of the, out of the wilderness, you know that Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus. And he believed that through him, he could get his eyesight back. But he has no opportunity. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there and he hears a commotion. And he realizes this is Jesus. This is my opportunity. I am not going to let him go by. I am going to call him and call him and call him until he responds to me. And Jesus did respond to him. He threw off his cloak and he came to Jesus. In fact, if you go back, verse 50. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Did anybody lead him by the hand? Did anybody direct him? Nope. Of course, as far as he's concerned, he's already well. He comes to Jesus without any help at all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in 51, he says, I want to regain my sight. He made his request known with an earnest expectation and hope. Hope in God and in the kingdom is not an empty hope like in the world. I hope this happens. I hope something changes. No, it's a hope with a definite expectation. It's not here yet, but I have a definite expectation it will be here. It's an earnest expectation. And I know, like Paul said, I know that I will have my earnest expectation of hope because it's according to the provision of the Spirit and the prayers of the saints, the corporate anointing. You'll see that all the time through the book of Acts, the corporate anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. So Bartimaeus' faith is in operation and suddenly something happens. He has immediately received his sight, but he also immediately began following the Lord. Major, major point. Not only did he receive from the Lord, but he gave himself to the one that he received from. Many people receive from the Lord and then leave. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. See you next time. I need something. And then they go back to their own plans. They go back to their own purposes. Go back to their own ways live the way they want to live, but not follow on the road. What does it mean to follow on the road? It means every step Jesus took, he took. It means he was right there with him all the time. Pastor Morgan talked about it in 930, abiding. This is about abiding. 
It's like people say, Pastor, we're behind you. Well, how far behind me are you? You know. <laughs> you know. So Bartimaeus is right there on the road cleaving to him steadfastly. It expresses direction. He changed the direction of his life because of what he received from the Lord. He didn't just change based on, okay, now I can see and I can go do stuff now. No, he changed the direction of his life to where now he's going to start following the one in whom he received from. He became a follower of Jesus. Amen. No more sitting on the sidelines, but now actively on the road as a follower. There's a lot of Christians that sit on the sidelines and look at a distance. But the call is to be an active follower on the path, on the road, cleaving to. Why? Because that's the attitude of gratitude. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, that's what God really desires of all of us, to be followers of him. It's called disciples. You know, how many of you gone to school to study for a profession, for a job, whatever it might be? You've gone to school, you've studied, right? So when you go to school and you sit in that classroom, you're done for the day, right? You're not? You sit in school and you go to class once a week and you're done, right? What do you do? Oh, you study. You get your books out. You have to study. You have to read over your notes. You have to go over the things that you've learned. You got to get them in you so that you know it without having to go to the book. You do that in the world, but can you do that in church? You do, you do that with God. See, and a lot of people think, well, you know, God is spiritual. Well, what are you? A puppet? What are you? You're a spirit being. You're supposed to be getting these things in your heart. This isn't, you know, follow, I follow God. I go to church once a week. That's not a follower. You visit. This is a daily thing. You're supposed to be daily. Listen, you know, I like what Pastor Morgan said about Smith Wigglesworth. Every 15 minutes, he'd check in with the Holy Ghost, make sure he's still on track. Because it's very easy to get distracted. You know it. You get distracted sitting in church. And the Word's coming out. And you get distracted and start thinking about other stuff. Checking your texts and your emails and... Not you. It was the other group that was here at the other service. <laughs> Revelation chapter 4. Verse 2. Revelation 4, 2. Thank you, Jesus. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. And behold, the throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. Immediately. Immediately. It was a point of time immediately following a previous point of time. 
So there was a point of time is that I was here, but then something happened, and immediately I'm in another place. I've moved out of where I was at, and now I've moved into a whole brand new condition. I was just sitting there, but boom, all of a sudden, immediately now, I'm in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hi, Barbara. Glory to God. Glad you're there. You know, that was one of the opening scriptures we used New Year's Eve, is that God is a God of suddenlies. Isn't that right? He was in one place, but then immediate took place, and he moved out of that place and came into a brand new condition. Immediately. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, 19 through 24. Philippians chapter 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I, le when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. Please don't, don't let yourself fit into that verse. Verse 22, but you know of his proven worth, talking about Timothy, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Now, notice what he says in verse 23. I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. You know, sometimes faith takes you to a specific point. And we may not see the complete picture. How many of you have ever done things by faith and you didn't see the complete picture? Okay. You get to a certain point. He said, I'm going to wait and see how it goes with me being before Caesar. Well, why didn't he just declare by faith how he wants it to go? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, believe, I just believe I'm going to get out of this. Well, did the Holy Spirit tell him that? Maybe that's not in his heart. Pay attention. Because this is where we've missed it on faith. The Holy Spirit didn't tell you, and it's not in your heart. It's just what you want. But faith don't come by wanting. Faith comes by hearing. In other words, let's say it this way. Faith comes by being told. Amen. Many declare what they want. And therefore, they think that that's faith. Well, I'm just going to believe for this. Believe what? How can you believe when you haven't heard anything? There's nothing. To, only, the only thing you heard was your mouth yapping. You haven't heard anything else. I don't mean that rudely, but we're trying to get a point across. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? See, how can you have faith? Well, I'm just going to believe for this, but you haven't heard anything. And we're going to get into this as the weeks go by because you're sitting there thinking, unless the Holy Spirit speaks to me and you need to put that on the shelf because that's wrong thinking too. And we're going to really narrow this stuff down as the weeks go on because it needs to be narrowed down. 
Where does it, be nat be, where does it need to be narrowed down to? Right where you live. Right in your head and what you think. This is where it needs to be narrowed down to. And God knows exactly what you think. So he knows how to narrow it down. Amen. Have you ever walked through a store and thought, oh, there's a dress, there's pants, there's a clothes, there's something that I would, I just want to have that. So I'm just going to believe God for that. Huh? I mean, God supplies all my needs, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, I want that, and when I get it, I won't want it anymore. So I'm going to just believe God to get what I want. I'm going to put it on the charge card, and I'll just believe God to pay it off based on what I want. But here's the whole thing. Faith don't correspond to your actions. This is what I want, so I'm going to believe God. No, that's backwards. That's backwards. It's this is what God says, so therefore this is what I do. Faith does not correspond to your actions. Actions are to correspond to your faith. What faith? What comes by hearing? Amen. So therefore, the faith comes before any choice. So when I say this is what I want and I'm going to believe God, you're backwards. You haven't heard anything from God. This is just what you want. What did you hear? What did you know? What's coming from the inside of you? Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 3. See, these are all little tidbits all through the weeks, and we're going to narrow these things down as we go along. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 7. And you know the account. The man at the gate, beautiful. Peter and John says, silver and gold, I have none. In other words, I don't have any in my pocket. But what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And it says here in verse 7, seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Okay? Peter and John acted without reasoning on what the Holy Spirit directed them to do. Only then immediately happened. Only then immediately happened. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankles were strengthened so that he entered into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. Now, notice, Peter and John said, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he grabs him by the right hand and lifts him up. Peter's job is done. There's nothing else Peter can do. The rest is up to the confirming of the word. Now, I knew a man some years ago back in the 90s and said that they were going to get a man out of a wheelchair. And one day, of course, they waited till Pastor Nid and I were out of town in church. And so, therefore, when we were out of town, he decided he's going to get so-and-so out of the wheelchair. So he goes over to the man and says, I'm going to pray for him, grabs him under the arm, drags him around the church, and then put him back into the wheelchair. 
There was no immediately. Why? Because they wanted it to happen. They wanted to be the one to do it. They wanted to get the attention, and they were upset at the man because he wouldn't walk. What an obstinate arrogance that is. No wonder they waited till we were out of town. Would never have happened if we were there. Are you with me? It's total flesh ambition. And there is a lot of flesh ambition. And you could spend a lot of time in the Word of God and get that word in your head and get flesh ambition. One of the big ones is, well, God supplies all my needs. So I just do what I want to do. And I like doing all this stuff. So I'm just going to go all this and just believe God take care of it. Flesh ambition. Never heard anything from the Lord. Well, I didn't hear anything from God to stop me. Well, no wonder you're a locomotive headed in that direction and you wouldn't hear him if you tried. Are you with me? <laughs> it's amazing how people want to get so overwhelmed and overrided with their emotions about something and think they're going to hear from God. You're not. All you're going to hear is that screaming emotion. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's 2023. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Chapter 8, verses 18 to 20. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the land. No. Acts 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. I mean, I don't mind teaching on Simon, but that's not where we're going. <laughs> it says, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight. Talking about Saul, remember? Ananias went and prayed for him. It says, and he got up and he was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the Son of God. So Saul has immediately received his sight, but then he also immediately declared Jesus as being the Son of God. He's moved out of a previous condition. He was on his way to Damascus. He was going to persecute the believers. The Lord appears to him, says, why are you persecuting me? Scales come over his eyes so that he goes blind. Not sick blind, but scales came over his eyes. They had to lead him into the city. He was in there praying. The Lord has Ananias then go lay hands on him and pray for him. Remember that? Okay. So he has moved from a previous condition to a subsequent state, both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. Physically, he was there where he was blind and could not see, but then he moved into a state immediately to where he could see. But he moved all out of a state to where he was persecuting the Christians to where now immediately he is now declaring Jesus is the Son of God. Previous condition, subsequent condition. That's what happens when immediately takes place. Verse 34. Peter said to him, 
Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, get up and make your bed. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good confession for many people. When you get up, make your bed. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, get up and make your bed, and immediately he got up. Again, moving out of a previous condition to a subsequent condition, and immediately. And how did it happen? In the plan of go ye. In the plan of go ye. Amen. A lot of people have described that plan as ye go. Yes, ye go. In other words, you go, not me go. You go. But if you want to get in on the things of God, it's go ye. You go. Get up, make your bed, and go. (laughs) Okay, chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. This is about Cornelius. And the angel told this to Cornelius to send to Joppa and invite Simon, who was also called Peter, to come to you. And he is staying at the house of of Simon the Tanner. So I sent for you. This is Cornelius speaking to Peter. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Cornelius has immediately obeyed God. The angel came and said, send to Joppa for Simon. He's staying at the Tanner's house. And he says, immediately I sent for you. He immediately obeyed. And immediately him and his household got saved. See, walking with the Lord is not when I get around to it. Well, you know, I'm kind of busy. I have a lot of stuff going on. When I get around to it, I'm in the middle of my favorite TV show. When I get around to it. And a lot of people have that when I get around to it attitude. Cain. That was the attitude Cain had as compared to Abel. When Abel came with the firstlings of his offering, it says in the course of time, Cain came with his offering, which means when he got around to it. God is not happy with the when I get around to it attitude. God expects immediate. You know, when we were raising our children and when we, you know, uh, we already had kids when we got saved. So we weren't training them the right way before we got saved. So after we got saved, we realized what the word of God said. And we said, okay, five chances. You got five chances to get it right. Okay, and we stuck to that. And then it got down to where it was four chances. Okay, four, you got four chances to get it right. If you don't get it right, there's disciplines coming. Then it went down to three chances. And then it went down to two chances. Then it went down to one chance. We told you once that's enough. If you don't do it, there will be discipline. What were we expecting? Immediate obedience. Do what you're told first time. Don't tell me you're tired. It's not an excuse. Don't tell me, oh, it's because there's company at the house. Not an excuse. Don't tell me, oh, it's because they're out someplace and they're just excited. Don't tell me that. There are no excuses. 
Not like we like to make for ourselves. No, there are no excuses. You either do it or you don't. If you don't do it, there will be consequences. And we expect it on the first time that you do what you're supposed to do. No excuses. We were coming home one day from West Virginia. We were skiing, and it was a very bad trip. There was snow even down into Georgia. The, 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 the interstate was covered with snow, driving five miles an hour. And my son was in the back seat with, of course, he always was allowed to bring a friend with him to go snow skiing. And they're in the back seat. Well, they're pretty well bored. We've already been on the road now. Well, we've been up now for about like 30 hours, something like that. And they're starting in like this back there. And I turned around and said, you better lay down and go to sleep because you are on the verge of getting in trouble. Oh, but they were tired. But they were, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You can take care of that issue. Don't tell me your tiredness is your excuse to disobey. If you're tired, go to sleep. That's what you do when you're tired. You don't disobey when you're tired. You go to sleep. Amen. Well, they did. They, they, and my son knew, oh, we better go to sleep. We're on the verge. And they went to sleep. Because we would have pulled the car off in the snow and done whip their butt right there. And if somebody would have stopped the car and said something, we'd say, you want some of this too? <laughs> Amen. Are you with me? Well, we were up until that point. <laughs> Chapter 13, verse 11. Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeing the, seeking those who would lead him by the hand. So this was about when Paul had gone, uh, the proconsul wanted to hear what Paul uh, had to say, and then there was the magician there. Uh, his name uh, was, um, uh, uh, it was translated Bar-Jesus, but uh, I forget, Elimaeus, it was his name. So anyway, he was resisting Paul and trying to stand, thank you, he was trying to stand in the way of what Paul was saying so the proconsul wouldn't hear it. Well, that's when Paul turned to him and said, you son of the devil, you worker of all unrighteousness. And that's when he told him, you will not, you, you, yeah, you full of all deceit, fraud, son of the devil, enemy of all unrighteousness, will, not, will, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? So Paul immediately spoke to Elimaeus, and it immediately happened that he went blind. And then immediately the proconsul believed. So there was a lot of changing conditions going on here. Paul changed from going to talk to the proconsul to now he's changed to talk to Elimaeus. Elimaeus goes from being the chief witchcraft doctor in the town to being blind and can't get around. And the proconsul goes from I'm interested in this to getting saved. So there's a lot of previous to subsequent conditions going on all because of a few immediates. But it all happened in the plan. Yeah. It's all in the plan. Amen. See, and, and w listen, when we say it's in the plan, it doesn't mean God's going to plan it and make it all happen. None of that would have happened without Paul doing what Paul needed to do. 
and nothing's going to happen unless you do what you're supposed to do. It's all about obeying God and doing the things God wants you to do, and God will move on your behalf. He'll move in you. He'll move through you. He'll move for you. He can only touch other people through you. Amen. Well, I just don't know if people want to. Well, then start meditating on the word and get it in your heart and get it in your mouth. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get a little strength. Get a little courage. Amen. You're not going to get it in that wimpy will. That unrenewed will is wimpy for the things of God. You got to get the word of God in your heart, in your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth. It'll get in your life, in your decisions. The situation will come up. The strength of the word will come up on the inside of you. And you'll choose that over the wimpy will of the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chapter 16. My goodness, who took all my time today? Chapter 16, verse 10. When we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Immediate obedience. Remember, they were going to go to Asia, and the Lord forbade them to go to Asia. And then they got the vision to go to Macedonia. Again, you know, we all want God to act immediately on our behalf. But then the question always comes up, do we? Do we act immediately? Because there's sowing and reaping. See, we want to reap from God, but we don't want to sow. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life. So we all want to reap from God and have God move on our behalf, but we don't want to sow in obedience. Well, you know, sometimes it's hard to obey. Well, the Bible says you can sow in weeping and reap in joyful shouting. It's only your flesh that's whining. The Apostle Paul even told us that. In my members is sin. I don't want to obey God. But then in my spirit, I see that there's another law. And therefore I live. He says, to God whom I serve with my spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Immediate obedience, and the Lord will act immediately. And again, this is a, re- a revealing of a plan to walk in. We all hear about immediately, suddenly. And we want that to happen in our lives, and so we should, shouldn't we? But it don't happen because you want it. You know, Wednesday night service was so important. In fact, Wednesday night service is a start of really important things to hear on Wednesday night. You can't run to the word and say, oh, there it is. That's it. As though you got it. You don't have it. The word has it. You don't have it. You have to make it your own. How? Meditate. Ponder. Muse over it. Mutter it, speak it to yourself, get it into your spirit till faith arises in your heart. I mean, you could see something in the word and go, oh, man, that's what I want. Okay, parable of the sower. 
so you've received it with joy. But guess what's coming? Afflictions and persecutions is coming to steal that from you. And if you're just an emotional blob, they're going to steal that right away from you. That's why you got to get it into your spirit. Get it into your heart. Isn't that right? Amen. You can't hear from the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Spirit of God just told me this. As the, and then say, oh, as though you have it. You don't have it. The Holy Spirit has it. That's why he's the one saying it. Because he has it. But you can make it your own. You have to, now that you've heard, you need to start meditating, pondering, thinking about it, musing over it, muttering it, speaking it to yourself. Not trying to figure it out. Oh, I believe this is what God said. How's that going to happen? Oh, how's this going to happen? Oh, I, I know God wants this to happen. I don't, know, I, I don't know how. That's right. You don't know how. So give it a break. You're never going to know how. It's not your job to know how. Jesus said that about the pa- sowing of the seed. How it grows, he don't know. Don't know how it grows. But yet, what's the one thing we worry about? How is this going to happen? It's the one thing we spend all of our time with. How is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? How is this going to be? And you can never figure it out. And you're only figuring, you're only thinking in your head, and that thing don't have a chance to figure it out. And you're not going to know it in your spirit because it's not your job to know it. Your job is to sow the seed and to believe God, to meditate on it. Isn't that right? As you meditate on what you hear, then it will arise on the inside of you. It'll drop out from the mental realm into your spirit and come alive as you have been meditating on the word of God and the word of God alone. Amen. Amen. Matthew 25. Yes, there's more. Matthew 25, verses 15 through 17. You know the account about the talents. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. And immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. And in the same way, which would be immediately, The one who had received the two talents gained two more. So immediate action, immediate obedience brought increase. Because we know the one that had the five wound up with ten. The one that had the two wound up with five. So it brought increase into their life in the plan. The master gave them this. And in that plan, they immediately went and did what they needed to do and obeyed the master. Verse 18. But he who received the one talent went away. And we know talents is not, I can sing, I can dance, I can play a musical instrument. This is money. He who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So he did not act immediately according to the plan. And it did not work out well for this guy. The immediate created a subsequent condition. The lack of immediate or the lack of obedience created a subsequent condition. For those that obeyed, it was a good subsequent condition. For those that did not, it was not a good one. Right? So 
our actions, our decisions will always create a subsequent condition. But will it be a good one? Why does God want you to act immediately? So you don't get that head trying to figure it out. Mr. Analytic. So analytical. So full of reasoning. That you get no place. Because that's not what it's about in the kingdom. It's about obedience to the word of God. Are you with me? Amen. It's living without hesitation. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, 3. Start bringing this down to a close. I'm enjoying this. How about you? Says, talking about the leper, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus was willing to touch. Oh, no, no, no. They have COVID. You can't touch them. Please, please, please. Don't start in with me on that. Who brought that up? Jesus touched the leper. He immediately touched him, and the leper was immediately healed. You know, looking at the immediate actions, the suddenlies, it's not pie in the sky living. You got to meditate on these things. You got to get these things in your heart. Isn't that right? Amen. Because if you get them in the heart, you can start getting in the plan. Uh, chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. Matthew 21, verses 2 and 3. Said to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find the donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Okay? So, he said... Immediately you will find a donkey. That means they had to go immediately. Right? Before somebody untied the donkey and took it away. So they had to be there immediately while the donkey can be found. So what does hesitation do? It causes you to miss opportunities. It causes you to miss opportunities. Now I understand hesitating like at first and God will give you some grace and to learn. But dear God, it's time to get over the hesitation and get over into the immediate. How many years has it been? It's time to get in the immediate. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, verse 29. It says, but when the crop commit, permits, when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. When the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle. So again, hesitation will miss the harvest. Hesitation will miss the harvest. And then we'll complain, why doesn't God meet my needs? God's not meeting my needs. I don't know why God isn't meeting my needs. And it's very simple. Lazy loses out. You can't be lazy and think you're going to reap. Yeah, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands, and your want will come in like an armed man. 
and you'll have no defense against them. Are you with me? Okay, Mark 14. Verse uh, 13 through 16. And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And whenever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready, prepare for us there. Okay? So, was there a 16? What was verse 16? And the disciples went out, came to the city, found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Okay? So, he sent them. You could say, he sent, they went. He sent, and they went. Okay? Found it just as he said. It was as he said. Because they went as he said. They found it as he said because they went as he said. They didn't hesitate. They weren't sidetracked. They didn't stop in Arby's for a little lunch. (laughs) They didn't turn to the right or to the left. Because if they did, they would have missed what he said. He said, when you go into the city... A man with a pitcher in his hand. In other words, he'll be walking by when you get there. Even if he doesn't realize, how long can he stand there and scratch his head? wonder what I'm doing standing here. How long can he do that? You're over in Arby's having lunch. How long is he going to wait? Hesitation. He's going to miss out. The word says, don't turn to the right or to the left. Don't get distracted. Stay on the road and its path drips fatness. It's called the path of life. Isn't that right? And if they went to the city and they hesitated and they didn't get there when they should have and the man was not there with the water and they would have all stood around and said, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, he said there's going to be a guy with water over here. Well, I don't see nobody with water. You see anybody? Well, I don't see anybody with water. Let's go find some other people that don't know about anybody with water. And let's all make a new group about the no water people. But who does the shortcoming belong to if they didn't get there in time? To the disciples. But a lot of people want to blame God, blame the prophet of God, and blame the word of God. Because Well, it didn't work out like you said it was going to work out. Mm. Hello. Last verse, John 6, 21. I skipped a few for you. John 6, 21. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. Remember, he came to them walking on the water. They were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. What? So Jesus comes walking to them on the water. They received him into the boat, and immediately the boat's at the land. Talk about a previous condition and a subsequent condition. Huh? Previously, they were on the water, but then 
Subsequently, they're at the land. Immediately. Why? Because it's the result of obedience to receive him into your boat. See, where are you headed to? What are you trying to go? Where are you moving into? What is the goal that you're trying to reach? He wants to get in the boat with you. Have you received him into your boat? When they received him, they didn't say they wanted him. They received him. Come in. Come in. I want you in the boat with me. I can't do this alone. I need you here with me. I receive you into my boat. And when I do that, the result is immediately there's a subsequent condition. Forty-one years ago, I received Jesus into my life. And when I did, my marriage started to turn around. The health issues that we had in our family started to turn around. I started taking in a steady diet of the Word of God every single day. The only time I didn't is like when I had to work and had other stuff. But that was my life, get in the word of God, be in church. Every time the doors are open, hear the word, take notes, read your Bible, study those notes, hear it again, get the tape of the service, listen to it again over and over and over again. Well, doesn't that get tiring? No, my marriage going to crap was tiring. My health falling to pieces was tiring. The fam my, 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 my family's health being in shambles was tiring. Living by faith is not tiring. Dying is tiring. But we received them into our boat. Now, our finances took a little longer to turn around because I was grown up with such poverty thinking. And the poverty surroundings of my life and family, that was all built into my soul. So there was restoration and renewal that needed to take place in my soul. But by continually receiving the word of God, continually hearing the word of God, continually giving myself to thinking about, pondering, and meditating on the word of God, it started to affect the choices I was making in life started to affect my decisions and the actions. And everything in life started changing. Not because I got saved. That was the beginning. That was the open door to things changing. But giving myself like Bartimaeus. He didn't just receive from God. He followed after him. I received him into my boat. I saw that he did a miracle of changing inside of me and I decided I'm going to follow after him because he's the one that has all the answers and I still receive the word of God into my life because the word of God still has to affect my life my life is not perfect 
I need the word of God to still affect my character. I still need the word of God to affect my walking in his plan and walking in his purposes. Huh? And that's what we need to do. So just bow your head for a moment. And you might be in a position to where you say, I, I need to receive Jesus into my life. I need to receive him into my boat. My boat's sinking. Things are not going well with my boat. I'm working hard. I'm paddling, but it feels like the anchor is thrown down, and I'm not getting any place. And Jesus is the one that can set that all free. He's the only one that can make all those changes and bring about the freedom, the liberty, and the wholeness of life that is so desperately needed in every human being. And it all starts by receiving Jesus into your boat. So if you have never received Jesus into your boat, into your life, you can today. And it's a very simple process. The Bible tells us that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. There are no other requirements. Man wants to put all kinds of requirements on you in order to get saved, but it's very simple. The Word of God says, believe on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and him crucified. He died for you, shed his blood for you, so that you could be free. You do not need to pay the price for your sins. God is a righteous God. And all sin will be washed away under his blood. So if you've never received Jesus, you can today. So let's all just pray this together in the room, live stream, podcast. Let's just pray this all together. God in heaven, I need Jesus. I see now that he is the answer. He is the one that can make the difference in my life. I feel like I've jumped out of a plane and I'm without a parachute. But Jesus is the parachute that can hold me up and keep me safe. Lord God, I receive Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I thank you. You paid the price for my sin. So I do not have to pay for it. Thank you, Lord. You hold nothing against me. Because you paid for it all. So I receive you today. Into my life. Into my heart. I declare. You are the Son of God. You are Lord. And I believe you are raised from the dead. By the power of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. God in heaven, now that I'm your child, I can now call you Father. Oh, thank you, Father, for loving me, caring for me, sending Jesus for me, that I could be saved. I thank you for that. 
in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, while everybody still has their head bowed, eyes closed, if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, would you just lift your hand and let me see? Maybe you're on live stream, podcast, you've never prayed a prayer like that before. If you would just send us a email or, or contact us and let us know, I'd love to just send you a little book and tell you about what's happened right now at this particular moment and immediately took place in your life. That you've moved out of a previous condition into a subsequent condition. And that subsequent condition is so full of promise, so full of inheritance, that you are now in covenant with God, that he will not break covenant with you, and he will always be there for you. Amen. 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 If you come with somebody or if you're with somebody there on live stream, podcast, if you're with somebody and you have received Jesus, tell them about it. Just say, I received Jesus today. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He makes all the difference in life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. Come on, lift your hands to him. Father, we bless you. We bless you. We honor you. We glorify you, Lord God. Oh, Father, I thank you that you're more than enough in everything. That you are Lord of all, glorious King and mighty God. Thank you, Lord, for your word today, for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. That we'll take the things we've heard, we'll meditate on them, ponder them, give ourselves to them. We'll make it our daily study so that your word becomes first place in our life. In everything we do, in everything we think, in everything we say, it will all be based on the word of God, which is the power of God. Thank you for it and bless you for that. Hallelujah. As we come before you now with our giving, we thank you so much for the opportunity to sow seed. And um, as we do come with our tithes and with our offerings, we do it with a heart of honor, a heart of gratitude for all that you are and for all that you do. And we thank you, Father, that you have attached promise to our giving, that every form of giving has promise attached to it. That we can stand on your word and we can believe you for the increase, the return that you have said that would be ours by faith. That by faith, Father, we sow our seed and our seed sowing is a corresponding action to the word that we believe. So we thank you for that, that it has results. That when we sow a seed, Father, we are doing it in immediate obedience and our seed sowing will move us from a previous condition into a subsequent condition. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you need an envelope for credit card or cash giving, it'll be on the seat back in front of you. If there's not one there, if you lift your hand, the ushers will serve you. If you joined us on live stream or on podcast, thank you so much for being with us today. It was an honor and a privilege to share the Word of God with you. And I do pray that the Word of God has brought increase into your thinking, increase into your believing, 
and increase into your expectations. Set yourself on him. And the Bible says that they that believe in God will not be disappointed. If you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry and go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, click on the giving link, and I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything at all that we can ever pray with you about, please don't hesitate to let us know. It is always an honor to bring your petitions before the Lord and believe God with you for your needs to be met. Amen.